A house is made of wood and stone, but only love can make a home. Welcome to the Repco Light Home Improvement Show, helping you make your home into one you'll love even more. On News Radio Wood 1300 and 106.9 FM. Well, good morning, everybody. Happy Saturday, Haley. Happy Saturday. Happy Saturday, Dan. Yes, I am having a big day. I'm very excited to tell this story. This is something I have not shared with you yet. Yeah, I'm a little nervous. Yeah, part of <laughs> we should tell. Do we tell what's on the show first, or do I ramble for a minute? I'll ramble first. Okay, and then we'll get serious. Yeah. And now I've wrecked the whole story because it's not going to be nearly as funny. After a buildup like that. Right, it yeah. always works that way with the kids, too. Oh, this is hilarious. You're still building it. I know, yeah. I know. I'm trying to backpedal, but it's not working. No, you're digging it deeper. Anyway, <laughs> you know, we did that Christmas contest where we had uh, these big cardboard cutouts, yes. right? We sent them to all the stores. We had mm-hmm. all kinds of different ones. We talked about it on air, a whole bunch. It was a lot of fun. It well, was. we have those cardboard cutouts back in our possession now. Yes, They're back from our stores. <laughs> and I, as I was leaving last night... I saw the Queen, the Queen of England. of England, sitting there, looking so sad. And so I decided to bring her with me. I wasn't sure what fun we were going to have, but I knew we were going to have some fun. All right? I want to take one with me. Oh, by all means, you should. It's definitely <laughs> worth it. Anyway, I loaded her up in the truck, and I made sure she was propped open. So that anybody, you know, passing me Could would see, see the that queen you were sitting there kidnapping the queen of England. Well, she wasn't duct taped or anything, sure. so it's not kidnapping. She's okay. almost waving, so maybe for help. It's fine. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> no. So I've got the queen, and we're driving around, and that was great fun. And But it wasn't fun enough. So I'm thinking of all these different things I could do. And I decided before I get home, it's nice out. I thought it was warmer than it was. It was really cold. Yeah, it's really but cold. But it was really sunny out. And I thought, I'm going to go walking for a little bit. So I've got this little nature area that I walk through. And I pulled up into there. There's never anybody there. So it's always, you know, it's, it's just for me. So I can just really cut loose and be me out there all by myself. (laughs) It's just really weird to watch. Anyway, I get there and I thought, I'm going to take a picture of myself with the queen. Now, you received this picture. Yes, I did. And did it turn out well? It did. It was. It looks like fairly convincing, actually. It it was very convincing. The children loved it. You thought it was funny. You gave me the little laughing emojis, so I knew that it was funny. But what you didn't know was the process of making it. So, I see this snowplow hill, you know? Sure. Plow that up. And I decided I'm going to pose up there so we can see the background. Oh, my God. And, yes. So, I'm hauling the queen (laughs) all unfolded up the hill. And, of course, I slip and fall. Land straight on the queen, and we slide down like I'm a sled, all right? Or like she's a sled. So we hit the bottom of this little hill, and I dust her off. I was very worried that I broke the queen because I knew you'd kill me. And she was fine, absolutely fine. So I dust her off, get her all fixed around again, truck on up that hill one more time. And I got to turn my computer off. It's making noise. Truck on up that hill one more time, slip and fall a couple more times. I didn't go down. Then I get her up there, and I'm posing, and I'm doing all this stuff, taking pictures, looking for the right area. (laughs) I turn around, and there's a snowplow driver just sitting there looking at me and has been looking at me (laughs) for this whole stinking time. Just waiting to plow. And then I had to walk back. Once I saw him steering me down, I had to walk back to my truck with the queen still (laughs) and load her up. And then try to have some sort of dignity as I wandered around the place. Yeah, that's, that's about what right. Being me is yeah. like all the good ideas. Oh, I felt like such an idiot. 
You had to climb up the hill. And slide down. Yeah. And then stand there posing. Yeah. And all the while, somebody's watching me. I thought I was alone. Anyway, that was my little adventure this week. Now, we got to get to the show. We've got Dean Veltman from Veltman Painting. He was... Oh, man, a couple yeah, of weeks ago, right? in like the middle of December, I want to say. He was on. We talked about redoing your kitchen cabinets. It was a really good segment. We really enjoyed having him on. So we brought him back, and we're going to be talking about some of his favorite primers, specialty primers, for different situations. Right. And we're also going to talk about paint and primer all in one. Yes. You know, it's something that everybody hears about, knows about. We're going to get Dean's take on... You know how what that he, really means. Yeah, what he does with that in the real world <laughs> as a painting contractor. That's coming up at the end. But right now, we want to get to some organizing, decluttering, purging type stuff. You know, a couple weeks ago, we talked about some skills right. that we recommended you develop at the beginning of the year. These would be skills to help you declutter your home. And there Stick was. Stick to a routine. Right. And all yeah. kinds of different really good stuff. And then Haley had some ideas too. Sure. Right? Right. Yes. They were good. They were very good. I'm just, I'm going to get an email about that, I know. Anyway, we didn't get to one that I think was really important. Because it was Dan's. It was. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But I, was it good? No, it is good. Because it, it's a big part of the organization process is getting rid of things. And right. I think it's one of the hardest things to do. Yeah, is getting rid of it. Right. Purging it, which you're not big on the word. I yeah, that word makes me think of other things. But yeah. <laughs> well, that's it's the, early, so I won't say it. It's the proper word for what we're talking about, purging. Yeah. And it's definitely an art. <laughs> Let's just say getting rid of stuff. <laughs> that, that sounds better now. So anyway, the art of getting rid of stuff is something that we need to work on. All of us need to work on it, yeah. and it's going to take time to develop. It's not something that we just instantly know how to do, because actually, we're all psychologically inclined to want to hang on to stuff. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Oh, yeah. And there's a number of reasons. If you go and dig into this, there's all kinds of reasons why it's so tough to get rid of stuff. One is we're sentimental. Sure. Right? We see things. They drum up memories for us. And it's tough to throw them away. We feel callous, cruel, Or are you, like, worried that you're going to need it again someday? Oh, yeah. And so, well, no, I can, I can use that. I'll yeah. just keep it. I forgot I had it, but now I know I have it. Right. So now I'll use it. Yes. That's a big yeah. one. We feel guilty getting rid of something from someone we love. Somebody oh, yeah. gave us something, and oh, if I throw that Got out. Like or like a drawer full of, you know, cards from birthdays. Yes. Birthday <laughs> cards. All of those things collect. We feel guilty about money we spent on an item. Well, I, you know, spent a ton on that. I can't possibly get rid of it. And another problem is we attach dreams and hopes to items. That one's very funny to me. (laughs) Well, it's funny. It's very similar to what you talked about with the I'm going to need it again. Right. It's that concept, but but it's even deeper. It's it's an emotional connection because, hey, I used to play this keyboard. Oh, sure. And I'm going to get back to that someday. If I get rid of it now. Right. I'm giving up on this big dream that I had or these games that we used to play as a family. And we don't anymore. Sure. Someday we will again. I'm hoping. So I'm going to hang on to them for those reasons. Those are just some of the reasons that we hang on to items longer than we should and more of them than we should. And it takes an active 
what intentional step yeah i think it has to be extremely intentional you've got to set aside time to do this but then you've got to start with a process and i think the first step is just asking yourself when did i last use this now the other question that gets asked and i'm curious what you think about it is does this make me happy there's a very famous yeah does this spark joy right does this spark joy i'm not as big on that one because i am an incredibly joyous person (laughs) Almost everything I see sparks joy. I had Elka Seltzer today, and that made me happy. Sparks joy, right? I was very excited. Didn't even like it. Well, I didn't like how it tasted, (laughs) but I liked how it fizzed. So really, if if I use that criteria, I I would never get rid of anything. Well, because memories can make me happy, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I should keep it. No, I much more like the idea of when did I last use this? And a great rule of thumb, we've all heard it a million times. If you haven't used it in a year. Get rid of it. Even if you're just finding it again, if you haven't used it in a year, you're not yeah. going to miss it if in a few weeks. If you've rediscovered that you own something, it probably means that you don't need it. Right. But another one is this idea that we've spent money on something, and so we can't get rid of it now because we've invested in it. Mm-hmm. I've got this going on with, I don't know what you'd call it. It's like the library catalog oh. drawers. Yes. I was really excited about these and I spent a lot of money on them. It's an antique and it's something that I've wanted for a while, but I don't really have the best place for them in our house. I had this idea before we moved in and thought, I'm going to get it now. I can find it. Well, where did you go to get it? I will find a place to put this. You traveled to get this. Yes, I traveled to get it. So this is a great example. You've got a ton of- serious investment. (laughs) Yeah, a ton of money and time into this and you don't like it. No. Or it doesn't work in your space. It doesn't work in the space and I don't have another place in the house to even put it. But I still have this idea that, okay, well then I'll just put it in the basement and eventually I'll have a spot for it. But I can't get rid of it because I spent all this time and money tracking it down. Right. It is something we struggle with. And really, it, it's a there's a business concept to this. And it's accepting the concept of sunk costs. Now, in the business world, a sunk cost is something that's been incurred and can't be recovered by any means. It's money that's spent and gone. It's just right. not coming back. There's nothing you can do to get it back. And the sunk cost fallacy is something related to that. And it's the idea that further investments or expenditures are hmm. justified. Now, in a home situation... That plays out as keeping it. Right. You know, like you're saying. Yeah. But in business, it's chasing, you know, bad money with even more money, hoping that somehow, some way it's going to turn fix around. It. And it's not going to work. And you're way better off in business to just accept certain things as losses right. and move on. You cut your losses and run. And the same is true in our house. You know, I, it's not up for me to say, yeah. but really the right thing to do is to move on. Keeping it in your basement is taking up space. Mm-hmm. It's it's energy. It's something that you look at and you feel bad about. It no, reminds it's true. you of the expense yes. and all this money and making your husband drive as far as you made him drive. <laughs> I mean, I feel like Poor I should Jordan. apologize to him for you. Yeah. Because that was terrible. Yeah. And now you don't even and want it. And it's really heavy, too. Like, it's... <laughs> yeah. Definitely, it's better to Uh, cut your losses and run. Yeah, it's not going to be easy, but I really just need to accept this as a loss and move on. All right, looking at the time, we're going to have to take a pause. Can we do that? Yes, because we got to talk about our weaknesses still. Oh, yes, that part's going to be very fun. (laughs) All right, we're going to take a break, play some commercials, and when we come back, we'll be wrapping up this concept of decluttering and learning the art of purging. That's all just ahead. Stay tuned. You like that I said purging again, don't you? Yeah. (laughs) 
helping you turn your house into your dream home. This is the Repco Light Home Improvement Show, presented by Benjamin Moore on News Radio Wood 1300 and 1069 FM. And we're back, and we're talking about decluttering. There we go. The art of purging. Okay. Yeah. You do Sorry, it. Haley. <laughs> Haley hates the word purging, and I find that the more she hates it, the more I'm finding I enjoy it. The concept of purging is something I love talking about. Imagine that. Anyway, we talked about how tough it can be to get our homes organized, and there's great reason for that because there's all kinds of psychological reasons we hold on to stuff. Right. And in order to overcome those things, it takes a dedicated effort of constant intentional actions to work our way through our piles and piles. Piles and piles. Well, I'm thinking about my basement right now. (laughs) So we talked about a couple of things that we need to think about, concepts to put into practice. Let's get to the next one. And it's really simple. And it's this. Don't allow yourself when you're purging or decluttering to get stuck in the middle of the process. Now, a lot of the times when you read about, you know, how to declutter, they'll talk about three different bins, mm-hmm. right? You've got the get rid of, the, the keep, keep, and, and then the donate. the donate, right? And a lot of times that works really well. You get going through your closet, for example, and it's keep and toss and donate and all of this stuff. And then you find something that you're not sure about. Yeah, it's a maybe. It's a maybe, and it can completely freeze you up. It's true. I'll spend a lot of time thinking about a maybe and then... It, the whole process is derailed at that point. Right. Now so, I'm going back through the things that I said I'm going to get rid of because are those maybes? <laughs> right. Well, that's very interesting. And so I think a really good way around this in certain situations, if you're really struggling with this, in order to keep yourself moving, mm-hmm. add one more bin to the mix. Add a maybe bin. Now, you can't overuse the maybe bin. Yeah, it shouldn't be a crutch. No, you can't lean on that, but you do want to have something so you can just keep moving. Exactly. You know, Eventually, you'll have to get back to that and, and deal with the real questions here, but at least having that box will allow you to keep moving through the process. Yeah, so keep the momentum. Don't allow yourself to get stuck. Now, another one, and this one I really like, and I, I don't do know too. that this is very... Um, Relatable? Safe. Oh, no, sure. (laughs) Psychologically safe, I'm not sure. I'm calling it play to your weaknesses. All right? Normally we play to our strengths, right? Yeah, play to your weaknesses. In this instance, I'm saying play to your weaknesses. Now, I'm not a psychologist, so I am a little concerned that this is bad advice, but this works for me. I think it's solid. I suffer from Toy Story syndrome. I don't know if that's a real thing. I should have Googled it. If it's not, I'm going to put a little little trademark stamp on that because I just made it up. So I'm sure somebody else made it up. But the idea is that people like me attach human thoughts and feelings to inanimate objects. Yes. Right. So I little do that toys. As well. Yep. I think of them as thinking. And yeah, you do it with um, stuffed animals. That, yeah, aren't even mine. Like when I was a kid, I would walk into the toy aisle at like the grocery store or something. You know, I'd get my mom to go to the toy aisle and I would feel really bad because I could pick up a stuffed animal and then I didn't want to put it back because this stuffed animal now has hope that it's oh, being yeah. adopted. He right? thought. And so if I pick another one of his friends <laughs> over him, he's going to be crushed. Yeah, you rejected him. Right. And yeah. So exactly. That is exactly the concept. And it sounds ridiculous, but it plays out in a number of different ways. But it's one of the reasons that people hang on to stuff. So I play to my weakness, which means... I, I, instead of looking at the old desk that I've got that I did some work on refinishing, but you know it's kind of I've moved past where that would fit in the home anymore. I look at that and instead of sitting around thinking if I got rid of that, boy, it's going to feel bad. I play to the weakness and tell myself, boy, 
If I get rid of that, somebody else is going to love that thing, put it in their home. It's going to have a whole new life. It's going to be sitting in somebody's dining room going, look at me. I am living it up now. I'm not in that guy's <laughs> basement anymore. Yeah. So it's a better life for it. Right. right? You're doing the selfless thing I, by giving it up. That is exactly me. I mean, that is me to a T. <laughs> right. Right? Yeah. I mean, totally. really, we could do a whole segment on how selfless I am. Mm-hmm. No, maybe not. Be a short one. <laughs> <laughs> The idea is that if you struggle with that, I know it sounds a little silly, but play that out. Let somebody else make use of it, and then it's going to be no. Happy I think that that's way. great advice. All I right. think I could really get rid of things using that advice. Now you've got a couple of things in the last little bit that we've got that I think is really interesting. You brought them up when we were working this the subject out. You talked about this glassware stuff that's really important. Right, to stuff you. that I had made when I was a glassblower, and I it's not necessarily my style of decor. You know, it was just like technical practice, and so there's a lot of memory that was like a time in my life so I want to keep these things but it's not ever going to be something that I want on display so what do I do with it because I also have the idea that these things could be interesting to like future children right like I'm going to show them that I was a glass blower once right. and these are cool things I think there's a couple of different things you know it's such an interesting concept because first off you could apply you could play to your weaknesses. Right. You know, these are things that are going to be happier. Because where are they now? Are they... In a box. They're in a box somewhere. Yeah. So they haven't seen the light of day in years. Right. They could they could be doing what they were made to do. You know, they could be in somebody's home being displayed. Maybe somebody would like them, Haley. Maybe it's somebody true. would like your junk. <laughs> <laughs> so they could be happier that way. That's one thing to do. But, you know, I love the idea. You know, you're playing off the... One of the weaknesses we talked about at the beginning where we talked about how I'm going to need that someday, or, that concept, yeah. and or the hopes and dreams mm-hmm. thing. All of that plays out here. You think these are going to be something that maybe kids would right. find interesting. And Well, here's the sad story, Haley. I'm projecting. Yeah, they're not going to care. <laughs> they're just not going to. I have so many things I thought the kids would care about. Yeah. Nope. Not even a little bit. That is sad. So hanging on to them, it's just futile. There's no reason to do it. So... How do you get rid of them, though? Because they have so much sentimental value. What I've done, and it's worked really well, is I've created a couple of shelves in the basement. Yeah. Dedicated shelves for stuff like this. And there's a limited amount of space. And once it's full, it's full. And And I can't add more stuff without moving stuff. Right. Right. But I get them out of their boxes so I can see them. They're not just lost in boxes somewhere. They're on display now. They're on display to some extent. But in storage. And at least I can see them and filter and move on. Getting rid of stuff, yeah. decluttering, not easy to do. It's something that takes actual work. I mean, it's mental work. It's exhausting. It, to, it is exhausting. To work through the process, but it's worth it. All right. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll be in the studio with Dean Veltman from Veltman Painting. That's all just ahead. Stay tuned. If you want to take your DIY skills up a rung, the Repco Light Home Improvement Show is here to give you a boost on News Radio Wood 1300 and 1069 FM. And we're back, and Haley and I are in the studio with Dean Veltman from Veltman Painting. You've been on the, on the show before, yep, Dean. Yep, we were on a few weeks back. So, yeah. yep. And you still came back. We I came back. Yeah, it was fun. Yep, <laughs> had a good time. No, we had such a good time talking about kitchen cabinets and stuff like that because. Yeah, you do everything over there. Yeah, I mean, why yeah. don't you talk a little bit about what you do first before I'm, I say more? Yeah, we basically do all things residential painting related, interior, exterior, remodel, 
you know, we dabble in new construction, not a whole lot anymore for interiors. But anything you paint on your home, we don't put up wallpaper. We begrudgingly pull it down when we Fair have enough. to if we're going to paint the wall underneath <laughs> it. But otherwise, anything paint-related that's not faux finish, artsy stuff, we tend to do. Yeah, pretty much basically everything residential. And you've been doing this for years, and you've picked up all kinds of information along the way. And that's what's really fun to talk about, because Haley and I, we know the products from one aspect. We do use them at home right. from time to time. But we don't use them on a regular, daily basis like a contractor might, and it's really fun to be able to hear your experiences. Mm -hmm. And so we thought we'd dig into, we covered kitchen cabinets last time you were on, now we want to talk about primers, because right after you were done talking about kitchen cabinets and we hit stop on the recorder, we had a great conversation about primers. Which is what always happens. Yeah. It's always after we end one, there's like a whole other conversation that takes place and we wish that we would have recorded it right then because it's such good information. But I always feel creepy recording I it. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Let's you just know. hit record again. Yeah. Say your social security number one more time. <laughs> For no reason. Just <laughs> No, no. We had a great conversation about primers and I think it's going to be very good information for everybody out there. And let's just start with your opinion of one of the biggest marketing trends or marketing steps that the paint world has taken in years, and that was labeling paint as paint and primer all in one. And I say labeling it because largely that's all it was. It wasn't a technological change that made the paint from one right. day into paint and the next day into paint and primer all in one. It was basically a labeling change. And anything that's 100% acrylic can usually be considered paint and primer all in one. And we've talked about it on the show. But I'm curious, Dean, about your take as a contractor. How do you approach those paint and primer all-in-one things? Yeah, I think you have to look at it as it's a limited-use primer. You know, there's situations that call for specialty primers. And for us, where it's self-priming is, say, you know, you're filling your nail holes on your walls. you got a little bit of patching here and there. Mm -hmm. Before you do your first full coat of paint, you can hit all of those kinds of patches with the self-priming paint and then go and do your full one over it. Don't. Just fill them and then paint the wall and think it's going to turn out beautifully. You probably won't get even sheen over those spots. With some spackle kinds, you, you can or will be closer. depends what sheen you're doing, but it's not worth risking it. Right. Get all those patches spot primed with your paint and then put another coat of paint over top of it, and that works out really well. That's pretty much exactly where we're at as well with those paint and primers all in one. And all of our 100% acrylic products could be considered paint and primer all in one. It's just that we've decided to not go real heavy on the labeling saying that yep. because there are so many situations mm -hmm. where a primer is a better way to go. And that's exactly the other part of this yep. that we wanted to dig into. We wanted to talk about a few basically common areas in the yeah. home and kind of get a feel for what you use on the job, what you've had yep. great success with. So let's start with just drywall. Okay. Yep. One time when it was back when Benjamin Moore Aura first came out, we had a really small room with new drywall. I wanted to try it out as self-priming. And what I found is, yes, it sealed up that drywall really, really well, but that first coat took like three times the amount of paint that it would have taken if it was if it had been primed. Yeah, and so, those walls are just so porous at that point still. Definitely. Yep. And so, it, so I mean, it, it sealed it up really well. I was surprised. I was surprised how how well it did. But, you know, you're looking at an $80, $90 a gallon uh, 
paint product there yeah. versus probably 30 bucks for a gallon of primer. Does it really make sense? You know, and, uh, you know, so that's a good place to use a specific drywall primer like your quick seal. That's going to do a good job at sealing it at a much more affordable price point. And it just makes sense to do that. You know, in, in new construction, I don't know anybody that's going to go and spray a whole bunch of drywall with expensive finished paint instead of doing right. the priming step. And same thing in your home, too. It's one thing if you just have a drywall patch and you want to use the paint to self-priming over it like we talked about earlier. But if you have a new room of drywall, just get some drywall primer and put that Yeah, it's on ultimately it. saving you money, even though you're buying another gallon, so it feels like a larger investment. Ultimately, it's not going to get soaked up the same right. way that a paint would be. Yeah, yeah, but you definitely get more square foot per gallon out of a drywall primer over drywall than out of... Aura over drywall. Right. That's not, hasn't been primed. Definitely the way to go. We're in the studio with Dean Veltman from Veltman Painting talking about primers and just focused on drywall primer. Your choice there, Quick Seal. Quick Seal. Yep. That's been a good one for us. Let's move on to a situation, you know, a situational kind of a thing and stain blocking. Okay. You know, there's all kinds of different stains that can bleed through a finished paint. Yep. You know, tannin stains in wood, smoke stains, yep. water stains, blah, 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 yep. on and on. Do you have a go-to here? Multiples? There's probably multiples. I mean, as a general rule, if stain blocking is what you're focusing on, solvents are going to be your best bet. So you're looking at your bin if you want a shellac-based, alcohol-type-based product, or your cover stain, or there's a lot of multi-purpose oils out there that you can use for that. Sure. And then there are some high-hiding, like Benjamin Morse 046 is a good water-based all-purpose primer that's rated for you know stain blocking interior-exterior. But... On those hard stains, it's a little more, will it, how is it going to work? You know, you might have some bleed through issues that you have to touch up. So you have to be ready to adapt All right. as needed. So kitchen cabinets, let's mm-hmm. throw you a couple specific situations. Okay. Kitchen cabinets, let's say they're oak okay, and you're going to be painting them. Yeah. What would you prime them with? For me, because oak for us has consistently been one that we get bleed through on it. You know, we mm-hmm. usually are going towards bin on that. We have had some luck with some waterborne lacquer type products, but those really aren't homeowner friendly products. And, you know, we do get a little bit of bleed through, but there's things that we see promise on. But again, those are spray only, really professional use only type things, unless you have an airless sprayer around or you have a shop type set- setting and stuff. But bin is a good bet. Cover stain is a pretty good bet too. Um, if you want to tr- try a water-based one, we are always are extremely happy with the adhesion performance of sticks to things like that, but it's a water-based one, so you might get some right. bleed through and you'll have to do another coat of primer. For us, that doesn't always hurt us if we have to do another coat because we're a big fan of on oak cabinets and stuff of the saying double prime all the time because like we talked about earlier we're trying to get a little bit of fill into that the grain to the grain yep exactly so if it's bleeding through we'll just switch gears and switch to a something else for our next one if we need to that's really important to catch though you know we've gone back and forth on recommendations for kitchen cabinets which is the best way to go and the situations change all the time i mean we've been laughing about that off air and you run into that as a contractor, that something that worked four times in a row, you get another situation, the fifth one, and now yep. completely different results because there's something different, but who knows what that yeah, exactly is. You can was. never figure it out. I mean, I've had primers that we've used for ages that you never have any bleed-through issues with, and like we've had some times where we've primed old paneling in a home. And I don't remember anymore because this was a long time ago. If it was, I think it was bin we used, and then for some reason it just bled horribly through bin, and we had to do cover stain. And maybe it was the vice versa yeah. of that. I don't remember anymore. It's I'm tough, getting old. tough to nail down. <laughs> exactly. And we've recommended sticks because it bonds so well. But what we've recommended is every time you get that that 
first coat done with your primer is really examine those doors before you move on. And you got to look at them in good lighting and make sure you're not getting any bleed through that you may not see in Mm -hmm. in a poor lighting situation. Because once you've transitioned to paint, that will continue to bleed through. You've got to deal with it. Now, we're running out of time on this segment. I want to talk about some of the application characteristics of BIN. Okay. Because we spent some time talking about it being a good product to use, but there are some things we want to highlight for the listeners out there. So can you wait with us? Yep, definitely. Perfect. We'll be back in the studio with Dean Veltman from Veltman Painting in just a minute. Stick around. If you want to take your DIY skills up a rung, the Repco Light Home Improvement Show is here to give you a boost on News Radio Wood 1300 and 1069 FM. And we're back, and Haley and I are in the studio with Dean Veltman from Veltman Painting. Thanks for hanging out with us, Dean. Hello again. Yeah, we talked about primers in the last segment and focused on some specialty primers and some primers specifically that you love in certain situations and made some great recommendations. In the midst of that, we talked about stain blocking, and it's a big issue. you got to make sure you get this figured out or these things can bleed through multiple coats of finish, and it can be a problem. And there's all kinds of different stain blockers that you could go to, one that does a great job most of the time. I'd, I'd hesitate to completely call it a silver bullet, but it's really close to that. Most of right. the time it works. It's been uh, white pigmented shellac. It's an alcohol-based product, yep. and you mentioned that. It, it works really well yes, most yeah. of the time. Yep. There's a lot of great characteristics to it. Yep. It sands well. Yeah, very few things sand as well as bend. Some things are getting close, but if you want to finish that, you know, when you put on your primer just to sand and smooth stuff up, I mean, it just powders it makes sanding almost fun. I mean, sanding does not, it is not a fun process, usually. No. Usually not. But, but with Ben, it's as close almost as you can fun, get. It's right? almost fun. Very, very, yep. very Use rewarding. very, very fine sandpaper. There's no reason to go coarse on it because uh, it just sands so easily. Yeah, I really like it. I like how fast it dries. Uh, I've used it a lot for certain situations yep. because I can put it on in 15, 20 minutes. It's almost sandable at that point. Yeah. My theory is you want to use the most environmental friendly, lowest chemicals in it paint sure. or product that does the job because it still has to do the job um you know but ben obviously with it having alcohol in there it's going to stink a lot it's going to be strong you know you don't want to be working in a closet with no ventilation that yeah, doesn't no. do good things it's not good <laughs> not good stay out of the closet with <laughs> you, ben. you yeah. won't remember what happened <laughs> yeah um but the nice thing is though i i feel like the smell dissipates more quickly than with some oil primers i feel like with oil primers that smell can linger for people that are sensitive to it. I'm a painter. I can't really smell much of that yeah, stuff anymore. Yeah, at this point, anymore. your nose blind. I'm, yeah, I'm just desensitized <laughs> to it. You know, unless it's unless my nose is inches away from a bucket of lacquer or something, it probably doesn't bother me too much anymore. No, I know. <laughs> I, I we're the same way. We working in the store. I yeah. remember people coming in and almost recoiling from the smell. And I wasn't noticing anything. You know? <laughs> so it's hard for me to say this stinks or this doesn't stink product-wise. Uh, who knows? Yeah. But Ben does have a kick to it in yep. that regard. You want to make sure you're ventilating. I think the thing that makes Ben toughest to work with for DIYers you know, who, who don't do a lot of this yep. is the fact that it's so runny. Yeah, you will get runs on it if you're not careful if you over-apply it. So it does have to go on thin and even. Again, we really like those micro-plush mini rollers. But just don't try to put it on thick. Um, it it flows and it levels beautifully on its own, you know, but if you get carried away with it, 
on the plus side, those runs, they will sand out yeah, because true. it sands yeah. really, really nicely. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, go slow until you get a feel for it and how it works, you know. And if you need something with a little more body to it, it doesn't sand as well or flow out as nice. But, like, cover stain has a little more hang to it. So it's not going to run or sag on you as quick sure. as what Ben will. And pretty much any oil-based product will yeah. block out a fair amount of stains. Yeah, definitely. You know, and we've had some stains that bleed through Ben because I think the alcohol in Ben sometimes reactivates, like, say, there's marker on the wall and, oh, yeah. and sometimes a solvent and cover stain doesn't seem to reactivate it but then you'll get another job where you think oh i'm going to do this because it worked and guess what it didn't work that way this time you right. know? I know. yeah science is weird <laughs> yeah. it's very tricky there's a lot that we can't see that's happening yeah and there's always variables we don't know you don't right. always know what that stain is you don't always know and so you just kind of use what works the most and you, just, you have to be ready to adapt when you're painting based on what you encounter just pay attention to what you're seeing if you're seeing something bleed through the paint it's not an optical illusion. You probably really are seeing it, and another coat of finish paint is not going to fix Definitely it. Definitely will not do it. No yeah. no matter how many times you cross your fingers and you hope, it will not do it. If it's bleeding through your finish paint, another coat will not do it. Yeah, I think in my first week or two at uh, Repcolite, I was, of course, now I get a discount on paint, so I started painting my house sure. uh, a lot. And there was an area in the basement where there was a water stain. I didn't know about any of this. Mm-hmm. I painted it, and I saw this big brown thing come back through, and I painted it again. And then I'd come around, and oh, there it is again. What the heck? <laughs> so I did it again, and I watched it come through, yeah. and then made some phone calls and realized what was going on. But anyway, stain blocking. If you've got any issues, you're painting wood, you've got... Smoke stains, water stains, definitely ask at the store before you jump in and make a product choice. We'll help you get the best thing for that situation. How about one more um, adhesion? If you're trying to paint something that's tough to bond to and you're looking for a primer that's really going to help, what's your go-to? Um, again, for water base, it sticks. You know, we've had good luck with that. And then, you know, Ben is another one that's, you know, again, it, it just has great adhesion. You know, a, typically most solvent-based primers have good adhesion, though. And water base has come a long, long ways in the past 10 years with, yeah. in terms of adhesion. One thing I like to do is, you know, it's never a bad idea to test. I and mean, like, if I'm going to test to see if I feel like a primer is going to stick well, and this is an unscientific test, this is a <laughs> Dean test. So, so take it with a grain of salt. But what I like to do is, you know, I got my kitchen cabinet doors like I'm going to test it on. Let's say they're cleaned. You know, you sure. have to have them clean still. But before I do the sanding step, I want to make sure that primer seems to grab decently to it unsanding. You know, so you let it dry. Some primers, they stick really good after just an overnight cure. Some stick really well as soon as they're dry. Some need a longer time to dry. So you have to kind of pay attention to that. But it, at the very least, let it sit for a couple days to be safe. But, you know, if you try to, like, pick at it with your fingernail and does it come off easily or not, you know, if it comes off super easily, I'm going to be a little bit leery of its overall mm-hmm. adhesion. You know, obviously you go in sand before you do it for real. But I want to see that has some tenacity to it before the sanding step. Because my theory is, well, what if somebody doesn't prep perfectly? What if they miss right. a little spot? What if, you know, they didn't sand thoroughly? It just was a little bit too light. So I want to see that there's some adhesion there right off the bat before you go full on with all of the prep. You know, so that's kind of how I evaluate a bonding primer right off the bat before I take it further in my testing. And you've enjoyed using sticks. You've seen good results with BIN and, yep. and, and on and on. I yep. do want to go back one step because I think it's really interesting. Years back, if I'm remembering correctly, and this is way back in the beginning, and I'm old and have, have memory issues as well. Okay. So you're a good, <laughs> good company. In fact, some might say the best okay. company. 
excluding Haley. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I believe Ben had on the can bonds to glossy surfaces, no sanding necessary. And we spent a lot of time talking around that because right. we didn't believe that. And it sounds like you're still doing the sanding even when you get a bonding would, primer. Even if they advertise it, I would never in a million years chance that on a on a project you know it's that's just way too much risk for my comfort to do that you know even if it claims that now i consider that a good step to know that products that advertise that probably are going to be good bonders but never skip the scuffing sanding step as much as you i know nobody likes sanding i know we understand this (laughs) trust me we understand this but But imagine i mean if it sticks well if they're saying that it sticks well to something that's shiny imagine how well it's going to stick to something with a little bit of texture there yeah i mean now it's bulletproof right exactly and usually any time you're looking for an adhesion bonder you're doing things like your cabinets and your trim and those are the things that take the most abuse in your home. So you really don't want to skimp on that foundational step and risk a bad foundation to build right. the rest of your coats right. on. Right, because going back from that you point is really Undoing tough. it's tough. Yeah. So sanding it real quickly. What would you use grit-wise? What do you use? And explain the process slightly. I mean, okay. some people sometimes get this idea that they're taking it down to bare wood. It, you know, this yeah. is a monumental task. Yeah. You don't have to take it down to... I mean, if the finish is flaking or you see signs that there's like something's wrong with what you're painting and that finish is just failing dramatically well you might have to take it down to bare wood but i mean at that point you know you have to really evaluate is it better just to get new trim or new cabinet doors because mm-hmm. if you have a profile on your cabinet doors to strip them down and all that's not a really a fun job for anyone no. um, but if that finish is sound and intact really all you need to do is get it deglossed you need it to look dull you know so you're not looking to remove it you just need to scuff it so it's deglossed so for that we tend to use 180 typically i mean you can kind of feel how it's doing on that job some things sand better than others, but 180 mm-hmm. is a pretty solid safe bet for that. All right, perfect. There are so many different products out there when it comes to primers, so many different situations, and we've got products for almost all of them. Just stop out at any Repcolator Port City Paint store, talk to us about what you're working on, and we'll make a recommendation for you. And I do think that it's really interesting, after saying all of that, how the paint world has gone and marketed such a thing as a paint and primer all in one. I mean, we went through all of these specifics where it really pays to -hmm. have a product that's made for this or made for that and to just think that somewhere they came up with this idea and said yeah this will cover everything and honestly if you read the cans of any of those paint and primer all-in-ones most of them will say right on the back i think probably all of them will say specialty primers may be needed for all of these different situations so but it sounds so good that it caught on like wildfire i mean it meant that every single company had to put that on the can because people were looking for a can to say that now the downside is that you know it can't really deliver on the promises you know it can if you read the fine print but a lot of us don't we move through and then we're disappointed and you know once you've moved past a primer step you talked about it earlier what dean once the foundation is laid it's really tough to go back. Yeah, you don't want to have to undo that step because the cost and the time to do it is astronomical, really. Yeah, so. Definitely get it right the first time. Dean Veltman from Veltman Painting, thanks so much for hanging out with us. Yep, thank you. And that's going to do it. That's all the time we've got. We're going to have to wrap it up. If you want to catch this one again, you can find it online at repcolite.com. And while you're there, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and you'll never miss another episode. Whatever you do today, make sure paint's a part of it. The Repcolite and Port City paint stores are open until 3, waiting to help. I'm Dan Hansen. And I'm Haley Johnson. Thanks for listening.